For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. And Danielle! Hi, everybody. Hello, Danielle. I'm so glad you're here tonight. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing in blue with those blue eyes? Uh, I am doing great, although my face is so red. I, I, I can never get the lighting right in my office, uh, but it gives people something to look at. Uh, how are you? It's been a while since you and I've had a chance to sit down and do this. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad that your show, your anniversary show went so well in P-Town. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're gearing up for the next chapter. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, Ann Kittredge was at the show, the show I've been calling uh, for the past four years uh, in various incarnations, The Magic of Believing because The Magic of Believing is the name of the book that of course got me to New York in the first place. Right. Uh, but Anne came up with a great idea. We had a, a very respectable size house uh, in uh, Provincetown. And Provincetown is a very unique animal in terms of getting an audience in to see the show and everything. So artistically, I was beyond pleased. Uh, my voice, I, I felt that I was at the be uh, top of my game. Uh, the interaction between me and the audience, everything click, click, click. I had a blast. Um, as every artist will say, we would have loved to have had a bigger audience, but we had a very uh, respectable audience uh, for a one night only appearance in Provincetown. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but Anne came up with this idea uh, she said, you don't have to change one iota of the show and it, you know, just but call it tales of Carol Channing, Judy Garland and more, uh, because those are all part of the show. And those are the little hooks that will get people to come in and see the show. So thank you, Ann Kittredge, who was at the show and it was, th I was thrilled to see her and it was so exciting. So I was thrilled about that. Yeah. And that'll be good for people who haven't seen your show yet and don't know a little bit of your history performing as both of those ladies and your extended history with Carol. Well, I will not be performing. I will put it out there. I'm not performing as either lady, right. but there are lots of stories to tell about both. So I'm very excited about that. Respectfully, of course, as is your MO. So that's good. Yes, always, always. Uh, there, there's no gossip because that's not my MO. But uh, as I do with every show, who or what did you celebrate today? Uh, today, I was actually celebrating Mrs. Roosevelt again, Mrs. Eleanor Roosevelt. I was in that mood and we're almost in fall today. And actually, um, we haven't spoken about it, but um, Mrs. Roosevelt was a big part of my accepting of myself and my queerness and her beautiful letters that she wrote um, with Hick and that wonderful book that um, I'm not sure if you've read it, Empty Without You is the name of the book. Um, it, it contains most of their love letters to one another. And I got that when I was a teenager. And it just really, it really helped me accept myself. And we're coming up on change of season soon, even though it's still hot here in New York. And that always puts me kind of back in that mood. I love that. I mean, it's always great to have that person yeah. uh, who uh, allowed you to be who you are true, truly are authentically. Last night I was watching this great uh, movie uh, that I'm going to recommend. It's soap opera. It's it's uh, it's uh, schmaltzy, uh, but it's called Red, White, and Blue, and it's on uh, it, it's on um, uh, Amazon Prime. And it, but it's a love story about what if the the son of the president of the United States. By the way, the president of the United States is played by Uma Thurman. Cool. Yeah, a female president. And her son falls in love with the Prince uh, Prince Henry of uh, England. And they're mm -hmm. having this private love affair. And then they come out in the open. And in this movie, which it had even brought a tear to my eye, in the movie, and it's, of course, the fantasy of Hollywood, Everybody was open to it and it was wonderful and it had a happy ending and it would be wonderful if we could all create happy endings. 
Yeah, I think so. And and such is the case with so many of our queer stories and movies, especially. Um, it's really about the turmoil uh, in in films. I find most queer stories that are told on film, it's about kind of the the sad and the coming to terms with it and then the ultimate ending or what pulls them apart because they can't find acceptance either from the world or within themselves. I think we really need to step it up as um, queer creatives and get Hollywood to green light wonderful stories with happy endings for us. Well, if you've ever seen the movie The Celluloid Closet, which deals with Hollywood's history of uh, queerness in films, it, 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 they could not have a happy ending in these films right. uh, because of the production code. And right. uh, it, it had to be uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue is the name of the film. Thank you, Alan, for that. Uh, but uh, great, great film. I loved it. I recommend it. It's fun. It's just a fun, schmaltzy, fun movie to watch. Um, so I want to begin. Uh, uh, everybody uh, get on board the woo-woo train. <laughs> yes, uh, plenty of woo. This is going to be our woo-woo. Um, uh, Danielle is our resident psychic. If you have questions or uh, that you would like to ask Danielle tonight, uh, feel free to ask those questions, put them in the comments section, and we will bring them on and talk about it. Uh, but I want to begin, um, and you'll know why there are nine cards that I laid out tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, uh also uh, a one. It's the beginning of a new cycle uh, in terms of numerology. Um, we are also coming up on a super moon, uh, the second super moon of August. So it's um, a blue, a blue it's, moon. It's a blue moon. That's why I'm wearing blue tonight. Yes. And there's so much going on in the world right now. You know, it's very interesting. When I was in Provincetown, Danny and I went to the beach. I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in the South. Uh, but walking on the sand of the beach, the sand was ex excruciatingly hot. It was unbearably hot to even walk on the sand. And on the Thursday that we were in Provincetown, we, a whole group of us went out on a pontoon boat. And when, when we got close enough to shore, believe it or not, I being the skipper, I put the anchor out and everything. And then I jumped out in the water and it was like jumping into my bathtub. It was so warm. And because of this global warming that's happening, uh, more sharks and seals and all of aquatic life are coming closer and closer to shore. And, um, and a lot of them are not surviving. Uh, coral reefs are, being, uh, are actually disappearing from the uh, bottom of the ocean. So there's so much uh, change happening in the world right now, and uh, we can all harness it when we all get on the same page, and that's what we need to do. Uh, well, even, but, even before, I, I did a live on Instagram last night about earth changes, um, which is a phrase that was popularized by Edgar Cayce. And uh, with all the fires and the big hurricane and the earthquake and everything that happened on the West Coast yesterday, um, you know, I was really prompted to go live. But one of the messages that really came through strongly is we don't necessarily have to wait to be on the same page. Every bit of work that we do on ourselves can and will reverberate out because we, we can affect things more than we think. And us not being willing to carry pain or trauma or tolerance for the negative things anymore really does make more of an impact than we believe. And I think it can help us to balance out our self-care and our self-worth and value with the care that we have for our earth and others in our communities. Absolutely. So getting back to what I said, I laid out nine cards. Okay. So uh, you put on your psychic hat. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> so you can pull up the right card. So pull a number one through nine. And Three, it's please. Your mystery card tonight. And it is, um, it's a statement. So, uh, and then I'm going to let you run with this. Okay. As I take on new challenges, I feel calm, confident, and powerful. Yeah, you know, I, I feel that more and more. And I really, truly believe the more that we do work on ourself and our self-awareness and our healing, we do have more of a capacity. We have more of 
an ease and, a, and an assuredness to know what is for us and what doesn't have to be for us and to be able to let things not necessarily get in and penetrate our aura and trigger us, but to notice when something is coming at us and it's really more from or for the other person than it is about us. And we don't have to accept everything from others. So we can start to move through the world with more ease. Um, and I'm glad you said this because I believe that so many of us are going through life uh, trying to put on someone else's garments, trying to put on uh, someone's ha a hat, someone's gloves, uh, and trying to be, that's why, and those of you who have seen previous shows know that I always ask my uh, guests to come up with a five-year-old photograph of themselves because it's that pure self, but that pure self lives within each and every one of us. And uh, it's just a matter of tapping into that uh, five-year-old self on a daily basis uh, instead of trying to take on what we think the world wants us to be. And I think that right now there's so much, I think the friction that's happening in the world uh, is because people are stepping outside of the comfort zones instead of embracing where they truly are within their own comfort zones. And um, and this is all part of tonight's show, uh, these universal lessons that are all around us on a daily basis. Yeah, well, about the comfort zone, I, I believe that the universe or higher power, whatever you like to call it, does reward us when we step outside of our comfort zone with intention. Um, mm -hmm. But there are moments where we do need that cocoon, where we need that comfort zone to integrate. And it's really up to the individual person to determine what are the moments when I need to incubate and what are the moments where I need to step out of that to grow. Uh, another theme that I've been speaking about with a lot of people recently is about when patterns of ours, whether that's our spiritual practice or our fitness practice or our morning routine become expired and are no longer expansive or contributing to our growth and are instead limiting it, especially when we're working to manifest or receive new things in our life. Sometimes we have to be willing to see where some of the containers that we've built for ourselves are no longer relevant for that new thing that we're working to receive. Well, one of the things that you said earlier, which I really love, is that this time uh, of year, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, Every year, you know, it, uh, in the autumn, uh, there was that back to school uh, feeling yeah. and uh, getting new clothes to wear to school or getting in a new backpack or getting new books. And all of that was always so exciting. I loved going to school. Uh, I was an early kid. Uh, <laughs> so I always loved that time of year. And even now, when I start to see the school bus coming around in the neighborhood and everything, and I see kids getting on the school, I, it brings back this feeling of nostalgia. And to me, this is more, and I think you and I spoke about this at one point, either I, we spoke about it or I dreamed it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I seemed, to, uh, this to me seems like the real start of the new year as opposed to January 1st. Uh, and did we talk about this? Well, there are so many, we've spoken about the fact that there are so many new years that happen throughout the calendar year. And actually, just this past week, we started the Egyptian lunar new year. Uh, and then right before that, with Lionsgate at the beginning of this month, we started um, the Syrian New Year with the rise of the star Sirius. And then we're coming up on uh, the Jewish New Year in the fall. So there, there really are so many points and reminders that there is always an opportunity to start again. Oh, we have someone from India. Hi, thank you. Uh, that's great. Hello, Agurav Misra. Uh, so with each of these beginnings of these new years. Do you find that you are taking on uh, this energy of uh, uh, different religions, different uh, uh, modalities, different types of things um, as each of these new years are beginning? Well, that's really always been something that I'm passionate about. I was a nerdy kid as well, and I was a library girl. And so, and especially once we got a computer and Encyclopedia Britannica CD-ROMs, I was all about it. So um, I've always investigated the different cultures that I 
I had spiritual memory of. And um, I really believe that they're all more alike than they are different. And everyone mm -hmm. has elements of truth. And I love to see the ways in which those can puzzle piece together, much like all of us as a society, we all have different puzzle pieces that can fit together with our various gifts and talents. And so it's not necessarily for me with each new year taking on those modalities, but I am someone who is a voracious reader and studier so that I can have an expansive knowledge base to help as many people throughout the world as possible. And I've reached six continents now of different people. So um, that served me well in knowing as many of those cultures as possible to the degree that I can. And what I like that it does is it helps us to have bigger toolkits to find the appropriate tool or technique for whatever scenario we can find ourselves in and whatever we're called to or resonating with at any point in our lives. Well, yesterday we were in church and we were uh, discussing, you know, the parable when Jesus uh, says to the woman who is talking about her daughter who is screaming and, you know, and acting out uh, that when she takes on the persona of the spirit, and I may be paraphrasing a little bit, everyone, so forgive me if I am, that uh, once you take on this persona, uh, that things will be a little bit easier. And of course, this is a parable um, uh, from the New Testament. And as we were discussing this, I said, it really is, a, is that's the basic tenant of what uh, Buddhism is about. It's this aspect of karma that what we put out into the world will come back to us. And I do believe uh, with every ounce of my being that um, we are all responsible for what we are putting out into the world, whether it be what we're putting out into the environment. And this was also being discussed yesterday um, with what we put into our bodies, what we ingest, what we take in, and how that, and then, and how it goes back out into the world. Yes. Um, your thoughts on all of that? Well, there, there is a school of thought that's becoming very popular again um, that helps people to remember everything that we're seeing in our personal reality is some element of reflection uh, of an aspect of our inner self. And if there wasn't a piece of us that could resonate with it, then we simply wouldn't see it or become made aware of it in our own personal reality. And that's why um, understanding karma, understanding signs and symbols can really help us to weed through all of that that's coming at us as a reflection, take our own personal responsibility for our karmas or our healing or our triggers or trauma. And once we work on that within ourselves, not only does it make our own life better, but it makes our reflection of the world better, which can help the momentum for other people that we care about as well. I saw a posting uh, on Instagram this week and, uh, this woman who was speaking said that she had gone to a party uh, and she was finding fault with everybody at the party. And mm -hmm. she was, she was sitting around going, Oh my God, can you believe the dress that this woman is wearing? Can you believe that she would even say those things? Would you believe that she would do these things? And the person that was sitting next to her said, um, I am so sorry that you're in so much pain. And she turned to her and said, why would you think that I'm in pain? She said that you would be so concerned about what other people are saying and doing and wearing and all of these things, because it really is reflecting more on you and where you are right now. What is it about these things that this person is wearing or saying or doing that's causing you to respond the way that you are? And she said it was almost as if the walls were cracked open uh, and she realized for the first time that she was able to acknowledge what she was truly feeling and that she was projecting everything that she was feeling about every single person in her life outwardly onto other people. 
Yeah, and we do. Um, that's one of the things I speak to empaths about is that we are not only absorbers of energy as empaths, but we are also projectors of energy. And projecting has become a popularized term thanks to traditional therapy as well in helping people understand that very, very often people are projecting their own stuff. Uh, and most of the time it is an automated projection. So it's either coming from a hurt that someone has or it's coming from a hurt that was given to them in a way that they were criticized, often a combination of both. But if you look back in that woman's history, you will probably find that she was criticized in a very similar way, starting from a very early age. And so for everyone, the five-year-old self is not always the purest self. It depends on how we're raised and what traumas we go through, um, what age that can be. But it's really why I'm so passionate about um, inner child work and inner child healing as well, because we all have various versions of inner children within us at various ages. Some of them can get kind of stagnant and keep re-triggering the same type of trauma over and over again by telling us or teaching us that it's okay to continue the hurt on someone else, as we probably saw with our family, instead of recognize it, heal it, and stop that pattern in its tracks. Mm. Well, I want to remind everybody once again that Danielle is here to answer your questions, uh, respond to your comments, suggestions, um, and we'll uh, get to those. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the uh, lessons that the universe is giving us right now. So with, uh, with everything that's out there, numerology, astrology, uh, you know, your psychic abilities, everything. Is there one particular area that you feel that you uh, are tapping into more so than others? Or do you find that it's really all interconnected with you? For me, it's all very interconnected. For other people, that tends to vary depending on what calls them most and their particular forms of intuition and gifts. I think because for me, I've really stepped into this role and this mission of helping people understand that as well as receive the information. It's been invaluable to be able to have it be all interconnected so that every person gets the unique blend of what they need instead of just one perspective or one way of being. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, I, I shared with you, we have several babies born in the family in the past year. And um, for babies in particular, I love gifting uh, their family with numerology of their name and their makeup. And it really, I find, helps um, the parents to understand their child in that element before they start speaking, um, sometimes even more than astrology, because astrology can be a little um, more towards the, the latter part of someone's life and personality, I find, but the numerology can help a great deal in kids and their parents understanding how they may take some things personally or how they could be better raised and understood during that phase, especially before they can speak. Does anyone ever come to you before they name their children? to ask you for advice on what their children's name should be. Yeah, sometimes they do. Um, more common than that, though, is I've always had a really strong connection with um, being able to telepathically connect, um, even after the baby's born, but especially while someone is pregnant. Um, so I, I've had a lot of people uh, and their, their children sometimes will come in and the souls of those kids will come in and communicate as spirit, sometimes even before the pregnancy takes place. You, you and I should talk sometime <laughs> about <laughs> uh, Richard Skipper celebrates, you know, because I have never really tapped into the uh, numerology aspects of that title and the branding of that. And you know, uh, it's something that resonates very strongly with me. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it's not the right thing to be using. I don't know. Uh, I think it does work for me and uh, it epitomizes who and what I'm all about. What are your thoughts on something such as that? Uh, people do numerology for their business names as well. You can do it for your home address, for your phone number, really anything that calls you. Um, but the same thing as with if there's a birth certificate name mix up or something like that, it's always purposeful. And we always go from what's on the birth certificate, because even if a letter is changed, we want to find out what the original resonance was and why the soul needed that initially. So there really is never a mistake or something wrong. Uh, 
I want to start breaking things down uh, into these different lessons that we get from the universe. And I want to start with numerology because I, um, or as Kasira refers to it, numberology, <laughs> which I love. Um, and uh, I love what Tesla Bella says, Richard Skipper celebrates equals love. I'll take that. Um, I love that. Um, so um, when with numerology, and as I said earlier, today is a one day uh, in the, you know, it, it goes into cycles of nine. Um, do you plan your weeks, your scheduling, everything based on that, uh, for lack of a better word, modality? Or do you find that's too simplistic in terms of looking at numerology? I don't find that it's too simplistic, but I find that it's too regimented for me. I, I know of people who do that. And for some periods of people's lives, I find that it's very valuable to help them get in a certain flow. But like anything, every modality spirit and higher power has taught me is meant to be a help a guide, a roadmap, but never to be in imprisonment. And I think sometimes if people become very attached to a certain modality, no matter what it is, and they are unwilling to make any scheduling or any decisions without that modality, then they're really costing themselves. I'm not going to leave my house before 12 noon. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if it's something because of health or, you know, something like that, that's a different matter. But if it's anything that you're very, very regimented in becomes limiting and becomes crowding out of magic and experiences that the universe and higher power wants to grant you. And you are teaching the universe then and programming your part of reality to only deliver to you in one way. And then people get very frustrated if they don't get surprise blessings, if they don't get things they've asked for uh, in a certain way, because they forget that they are setting this regimentation that it can only come through this one shoot or passageway. Does it regiment your life at all? Or do you find that you are, well, you're uh, more advanced than a lot of people are when it comes to the knowledge of numerology, right. uh, but has it regimented your life in any way whatsoever? Um, it does for certain things that are very number based, like when I was choosing a phone number, you know, I, I go by the numbers, but um, more so I take it as intuition, like someone would use Oracle or tarot cards, like you, you have the informedness of what that means in general, and you take it on as an observation, but then you also allow for the additional meaning for that particular circumstance. Now let's go to that uh, to that area, uh, tarot cards and mm -hmm. oracle cards. Um, do you have a certain uh, cards that you uh, prefer to use? And if so, there are different ways that people use tarot cards. Um, you know, one of the things that I've started doing in my own studies about the tarot cards um, are, you know, uh, randomly drawing three cards to represent my past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. um, what are the ways that you find that you're using this in terms of your day-to-day -day, uh, machinations in your life. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a different journey. I was a natural channel first from the time I was a very little girl. I resisted it for periods um, until my late teens, and that made me very ill, <laughs> trying to resist and shut down my gift. Uh, but I was always very open as a channel and seeing and hearing. And so when I started doing readings for people beyond my close friends and family. Um, I really was just straight channeling. But then I, I love, I, I've always been something of an artist and I love the artwork of cards. And I found then I was being drawn to certain card decks for the artwork or for especially Oracle cards in terms of a theme, if they were built around a certain deity, let's say, and further developing communication like the Mother Mary uh, Oracle or the Isis Oracle. Um, there's a fantastic Oracle by Alana Fairchild called the Isis Oracle. And I was drawn to that. And in reading her writing, I said, this is it. This is how I hear that being communicate with me. It was such validation to see someone else writing in the voice that I had heard naturally. So I've used them um, for myself in combination with whatever art I'm drawn to, sometimes to take some of the pressure off of myself in terms of needing to just constantly be 
the soul medium because cards are a medium in themselves. And so it helps regulate some of the energy and helps us understand some of the message without it needing to come through our own mental database. Um, so I really use that like everything intuitively. And I don't have that many. When I started doing more live um, readings, I found myself drawn to more cards again, because it helps sometimes the people to have a visual representation of the card when I'm not doing a one-to-one -one video or voice call with them. Uh, and in that, again, it's chosen intuitively, whatever feels relevant for the time. Um, but I have used the past, present, and future spreads. I have friends who have made and had published decks. And um, I have a friend in Africa, a fellow shaman, who has created a a healing deck with crystals like within the cards. So I'll, I'll go live. Yeah. So I love to use that one. That's the one I've been using in my one-to-one -one sessions more because it has a healing element and not only a message base element. Um, but that that's where I'm currently at. And I love to help people with their gifts in understanding how to use that as a medium to better understand the voices and intuitions that they're getting, but also learn like anything that you don't need to be dependent on it. And you should never, in my opinion, attach too strongly to a meaning while always allowing that to be a catalyst for additional meanings for you and that situation or the client or whoever you're reading for. Now, another area um, that uh, some people grab it, uh, are uh, color vibrations. Uh -huh. um, is this an area that you also uh, work with as well? I don't do color readings like some some people are very, very um, prodigious about it and they do uh, expansive meanings based on the color. I do work readings and that's one of the things I'm doing in Saturday and that contributes to different colors. Um, but I work with the colors. Yes, that's my group event that I have this Saturday. And as part of it for empaths, I'm doing an auric energy scan and letting people know what I'm seeing in their aura that can include colors or things like stuck energy, which also tends to resonate with certain colors. So um, that will show up in the way that color has been important to me is connection and correlation with the chakra system. And that we all have a rainbow within us. I always love to tell people queer or not, um, because the chakra system resonates with the colors of the rainbow. And certain colors, if I'm seeing them, will have usually connection leading me and the way my intuition works back to those chakra areas of the body and things people need to know about those. Um, certain colors that are not contained within that, I have preliminary knowledge or just receive an intuitive hit. Um, for example, if I'm seeing peach in someone's aura, or if that's a very important color to them, that's a very high vibrational color. Or brown is a very grounding and nurturing, nourishing color, even though some people would associate it with being muddy. But it really is a good sign and symbol for someone grounding or nurturing something in their life. You mentioned earlier, and you and I have talked about this uh, way back when we first got to know each other, um, mm -hmm. that as a young girl, when you realized that you had these gifts, um, you tried to suppress them. You tried to hold back. Um, there were, and please forgive me if I use the wrong words on this, uh, but uh, that you, there were fears about sharing your gifts with the rest of the world. What allowed you um, or what was the defining moment where you felt comfortable enough that you were able to step outside of that and say, this is truly a part of who I am and this is what I want to share with everyone? Yeah, so when I was a teenager, I had a friend, um, a, one of my best friends whose uh, aunt passed away. And one of my aunts also passed away very similarly, both from cancer. And um, we both took it very hard and were very connected over it. And sh her aunt was giving me messages and I just could not contain it. And um, my friends, I had always shared with them. Like, you, we were, were, you sharing, were you sharing with her right away that uh, her aunt was sharing these messages with you? Or were you hiding it that she was doing this at the time? I held back a little. I went to the funeral to support her. And then uh, a little after the funeral, you know, I finally shared the information that I was getting. And, um, and 
I really found that it started for me with with my best friends when I was, you know, middle teens. And oh, was she, excuse me, but was she open to the fact that you were sharing this with her or did she resist that as well? She was more open. Um, her family was from the East and she was more open because she knew and she loved and she trusted me. And there was some information that I could not have known. I never actually met her aunt in person. Uh, so there was that information that also gave the guarantee as well as knowing me. Um, but it still took for me to come beyond friends and family until my grandmother passed away. And uh, I cared for her until her passing. She passed away in my arms and my family. Yeah. And my family was really resistant uh, and were usually the ones that were dissuading me from using and sharing my gifts publicly. But after my grandmother passed away, there were you know, family issues as often happens when someone passes. And all of a sudden then there was a lot of activity from my grandmother and people became open. Oh, whisperings. Didn't you used to talk about things that you used to see and, and interact with as a little girl? Let's, uh, let's well, ask I mean, you what's happening. I mean, was the rest of your family experiencing the same things that you were feeling uh, or that you were experiencing? they were experiencing different activity and different visitations from my grandmother, but my grandmother stuck close by and I actually told the story um, in a live that I did last month about the Akashic records, um, the replays on my YouTube channel, if anyone wants to watch it. But uh, I, after a period of time, I crossed my grandmother over through the Akashic records library. And after she passed away is really when I, said, I have to, I have to do this. I can't contain it anymore. I was in the wheelchair at that point. Uh, I became, you know, wheelchair bound, um, but I still, you know, found ways and started word of mouth. I did a few classes and continued my consummate studies, which I had always done through the library and through the internet. And um, finally started coming out to people beyond my friends and family and then word of mouth. And then eventually a few years ago, the, the internet and taking it um, worldwide. But do you feel that as time has gone on, that it's gotten a lot easier for you in terms of sharing these, uh, your messages with the rest of the world? Or, um, has it gotten harder uh, as you've gotten older? It depends what room you're in. I uh, mean, I'm very confident uh, with myself and I know that it's real for me and I know that I can talk to and I, I don't like the word prove, but I, I know that I could share something with anyone that would positively impact their life if they're open to that. But I have boundaries and I don't just go around giving messages because I don't I don't feel that's appropriate personally. I think people have to be consensual and open and ready. Um, but I don't hide it. I do notice, though, in some rooms, I get a little hesitant when someone asks, well, what do you do? And I, I notice that I say, well, actually, I and then I share and the way I share is a little bit different depending on the type of person that I'm speaking to, much like when we come out about our sexuality, right? We explain that in ways that feel um, resonant and respectful to ourselves and the other person and whatever room we're in. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting that, I mean, the, I mean, and it's, they're so similar in terms yeah. of uh, the, that experience, but it's one of the reasons why I always go back to celebrating a person's body of worth as opposed to uh, a person's body of work, because when um, we are not, uh, um, defined by our work, and you're and you're not defined by this either. Right, it's a, an aspect of who and what you're all about. Um, in the remaining time that we have here, um, this time of year, and where we are um, as we're going towards the blue moon, uh, the next super moon, ending uh, August, going into autumn going into this new type of year, what are you experiencing and what do you, and what advice do you have for those who are seeking, uh, uh, you know, to get the answers from the universe? 
Yeah. Well, right now, if you're watching us live or close to live on either of our replays, we're headed into and we're in the midst of several retrograde activity with many of the planets. So I actually have uh, my little cheat sheet. I wrote it down because specific dates here, but we're in Saturn retrograde from now until November 4th of this year, 2023. We're and, in- uh, we move on, explain to everyone. Oh, first of all, explain a retrograde for those who may not know what a retrograde is. Right. So a retrograde is when it appears from our vantage point here on Earth that a planet begins moving backwards or counterclockwise. And during a retrograde, uh, we have periods where we emphasize that re. That's either redo, replenish, re-examine, rest, things like that. And that re becomes associated with whatever planet is currently in retrograde and where that planet has rulership in terms of the types of lessons um, that it helps us to learn or embody in life. And so I want to say something, if I may. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is in response to you, Tess. Yeah. Uh, she says, oi. Um, I look at these retrograde periods as periods, uh, it's positive to me uh, because as you just said, it's the re, re-examining, re-evaluating, redoing, yeah. uh, re-looking at things. Um, look at it from that point of view instead of gloom and doom, which is essentially like everything else, the way the media has presented it to us. Well, the media, you know, obviously has an agenda, but also now that everybody is a little bit of a media outlet, you know, people forget to be responsible in terms of what they are projecting in the world. And if something is bad in someone's eyes or disruptive, uh, then sometimes that could take on a projection momentum and define something. So retrogrades can feel like they are disruptive, but they are disruptive intentionally of patterns and momentums that we've been going in, in order to teach us lessons that we wouldn't necessarily learn or pay attention to otherwise. So we, our last, our previous show was all about Saturn and Saturn retrograde, and people can go back and watch that. Um, that is happening until November 4th. Saturn has rulership over time, over karma, over law. And so it's helping us with those types of lessons. Um, and then we're in a Pluto retrograde as well until October the 10th. And Pluto is very associated with Scorpio. I know you brought up uh, the Scorpio um, moon that's happening, but Pluto is associated with renegades and the underworld and regeneration and very dreamy, um, watery or dark water aspects. You know, what's in the emotional shadow is very associated or the mystical shadow is very associated with Pluto. Uh, and then Neptune retrograde is happening all the way until December 5th. And Neptune is um, the trident uh, god um, in ancient uh, Greco-Roman times. And so he's associated with more kind of Piscean watery energy, the dreamer, the psychic, uh, the positive inspirations and things like that. And um, we have Venus retrograde that is happening until September 3rd. And Venus retrograde is the big theme right now, especially how that's interplaying with Saturn retrograde, because Venus rules over love and money and relationships of all kinds, not only romantic relationships, which obviously everyone usually thinks of first, but um, any kind of relationships, friendships, family ships. And Venus retrograde gets a lot of attention because this one in particular is quite longer than several of the others, um, but also because it the two big themes are it either brings people back into your life, whether that's friends, family, or previous romantic partners, or it allows you to see where relationships aren't working and it starts to break relationships apart. So that's going to be dependent on where you are in terms of your relationships, what you've been working on and not been working on. Um, but a lot of people will get the random messages during this Venus retrograde pe period from people that they haven't spoken to in quite a while. Uh, and feel like they were drawn to reconnect or 
they will feel like they're drawn to reevaluate their relationship. They won't feel as tolerant of things that were happening in the relationship or breakups do sometimes tend to happen in a Venus retrograde period. Wow. And then the last one we have is Jupiter retrograde is going to start right after that on September 4th. And so Jupiter retrograde, Jupiter is the planet of expansion. He's the planet of abundance. And so that's the only one we're not currently in the energy of, but that's coming up soon. And Mercury retrograde is is starting right now as well. So that is Mercury we always talk about. He's the most popular and he's the disruptor of technology and communication to get us to slow down and reevaluate what we're doing with all that. And let's talk about the energy of the blue moon. Mm -hmm. So blue moon means that it is twice in one month. This is why it's rare. It is a either a full or a new uh, moon that will happen twice within the same one calendar month period. And so it makes it more innately special. Usually blue moons also are super moons. Super moon, when you see that term, it's when the moon is closer in orbit to Earth than in other times of its cycle. Um, so it's a time when many people believe and tap into more magic or more power of the moon if you resonate with the moon. Um, I do particularly like to caution people about the, the moon resonance in terms of make sure that you are also just like Oracle and tarot cards, finding your own meaning and explanation and not necessarily being swept up in the tide of what the reports are about the moon because moon does rule the tides within our oceans and within us and a lot of people tend to get swept up within the tide of what that horoscope type report is on the moon and then they feel overwhelmed by it and feel out of control of their own lessons or decisions sometimes. So follow your own intuition and guidance if you're drawn to do ceremonies or practices or rituals, but also honor if or when it's not a time for you to do that, or if it's meaning something totally different for you at that time in your life. What excites you the most about where we are right now in terms of all of these planets uh, being in their seeming retrograde period. Uh, retrograde seems like everything's moving backwards. Uh, and it's not. It's just the illusion. And it's yeah. all about illusion. It's all illusion, everyone. So what are you most excited about at this period right now? Yeah. You know, when you're saying that, it reminds me of, are you familiar with um, Nat and Natalie Cole's song, Paper Moon? Oh, Say it's only a paper moon floating over a cardboard sea, but it wouldn't be make-believe if you believed in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, it's also a Harold Arlen um, song. And, the, you know, everything is, is illusion. I, I was um, lucky to be close with Natalie a little bit and I, I love her. She was one of those figures in my life. And, Really, when I was ill as a teenager, she was the inspiration that helped me get myself out of it. Um, but that's besides the point. But it reminds me that people do sometimes need these retrograde periods to remember how much is illusion and how much we are contributing to that illusion in terms of we go around and our brain goes around constantly defining things the way that we see them or mostly the way that we automated response see them from our past hurts, from our past patternings. We give explanation. If someone isn't voicing their opinion to us directly, we say they must be mad at me because they answered me in this way or they're not answering me in this time frame. We define things. And even if that's not true for the person, we live based off of that because we become attached to our definitions and those illusions. So if and when you are willing to recognize and observe the fact that so much is illusion and recognize where you are contributing to that, your life can get better. And you can start to work with the signs that are coming through to you from this illusion of, of universe and understand that just the same way in dream symbology and interpretation, there is a mix. You know, when I do a dream interpretation for someone, um, I do that as like a mini reading and I do it via recording and they share something about their dream. And then I tap in and I send them back information to help them see which things are 
direct symbols and where their subconscious is mixing with that and influencing. So in this dream world or dream reality, like the Australian Aborigines like to say that this is the dream, um, you know, we can start to see which things are coming to us as a direct intuitive hit or helpful symbol and which things are being filtered through our own wounded sense of illusion. And when we could work on that and drop that, things get a lot better and easier in life. You know, I saw an interview with Liza Minnelli um, recently, and it was an older interview, obviously. Mm -hmm. And she said that the entire persona of Liza Minnelli is an illusion. Yeah. She said, I created that persona, uh, what I present on stage, what I present. She said, that's not who I am at home. She said, it's all an illusion. And I think it's true when with whatever we present to the world, I mean, we all have the capability of doing this, of, uh, of creating a character that we want to present to the world. Um, and I think it would be a, you know, a cute little, I mean, thing to do uh, where we uh, compartmentalize that safe person that is our safe person at home. Mm-hmm. But when we go out into the world, Think about this for a moment. If if people went into the world without the, the fear of rejection and the fear that someone is going to dislike you because you have a certain opinion or that you're not going to get to move forward uh, because of a person's own uh, thought processes, it would be a completely different world that we're living in. Yeah, and I think the trick is learning the balance between, so what you're talking about is also something called masking. And a lot of neurodivergent people find that they automatically mask to appear normal, you know, quote unquote, or acceptable in people's eyes. Um, so in well, here- Well, people in our community, Danielle, yeah. have lifetimes doing that. Right. And I think the trick is also knowing where sometimes you step into a persona that is a truthful version of yourself, but maybe helps you have more confidence in a certain area for a certain room, Um, but also where and when and how you can take down those masks and find ways to become more comfortable and authentic with who you are. Um, Something I love to help empaths do, and and we're going to talk about it in my um, Zoom group on Saturday, is learn the technique of energy filtering because filtering I find is better than shielding. So sometimes people find, and and you as as someone who performed as Carol for so long can probably attest to this, um, we start to lose ourselves if we step in a persona for too long and we can forget who we are as well, or we can feel like we're only accepted for the persona. And so working- Outside of that, yeah, the rest of the world begins to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different depending on what you need in life. And I think it can be healthy to have, you know, a a work or a boss version of of yourself when you are in that room. And it can also help you to take that energy off and then relax when you go back home. Uh, But I love to use the filtering technique as well so that you're still letting good things in. You're not necessarily shielding everything out, um, but you are reflecting back at the world what they need to see or what you need them to see or sending their energy back to them so you're not picking up on it or absorbing it. Um, There's a book. um, Let me see. There's a book about taking on different ego patterns or ego personas. And um, the author talks about how Beyonce did this, much the way Liza was talking about, and you take on a persona. Um, I think that the danger is if you do that too long or too much, and that's all you let people know. So finding the balance between utilizing those personas. I also love what Wayne Dwyer, his definition of ego was edging God out. Yeah. And I loved uh, and I love that because uh, I think that when people are operating solely from their egos, and that's not what you and I are talking about. At right. Because um, I think that's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. Uh, that's why we have narcissism. Yeah. And, put, and we're seeing narcissism on um, through the lens of a microscope in today's world on the level that, I didn't see when I was a kid growing up 
at least I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Perhaps social media has put a spotlight on it to the extent to where I'm more aware of it than I was. I think therapy, you know, more people being allowed and, and having the means to go to therapy has put more of a spotlight on it. And the fact that therapists are on social media and sharing their experience, but a lot of empathic people, I call it the empath narcissist polarity. And, you know, we, we attract a lot of narcissistic people um, because we are the direct opposite of that energy. The book, by the way, um, if anyone wants to read more about that phenomena of when it's helpful or relevant or can be to have a persona is called The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. It's like a yellow cover. Um, I read the audiobook and it's quite good. The Alter Ego Effect? <laughs> yes, by Todd Herman. And there's some practices and techniques in there of how to use. Do you know how old, uh, you know how old this book is? Just a couple years. Let's see if we can get him next month and let's do a show with him together. That would be awesome. That would be wonderful if we can get him next month. That would be great. So tomorrow we're going into it today. And as we wrap up, uh, what advice do you want to give to everyone? And of course, I want to remind everyone again uh, that on Saturday, uh, you will be doing uh, a very special presentation at 2.30. Um, and you're going to be talking about empaths and energy and it's a live group reading. So everyone, please show up if you can. And the information will be on the YouTube channel. So uh, it, it will be there. If you have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out to either Danielle or myself. Yes, so there's a direct link in both of our descriptions for this YouTube video. You can go and purchase your ticket. Um, there are payment plans available on my site for everything as well for U.S. people for over $50. You can split up those payments. But on Saturday, we're working in a private group container where people purchase their tickets and we have a Zoom group reading um, to answer your questions live, give you some techniques like we've been talking about with empaths and get you a personalized energy scan so you know what's happening in your field and you'll get a recording of that to save as well. So it's going to be really fun. Um, and as we go into a two day tomorrow, like you said, or any time that you feel resonant, I would say you know, remember the two can be about cooperation and uh, loyalty. Right. Yes, and loyalty is also associated with the two. This doesn't have to be associated with the day, by the way, if just all of that calculation is lost on you. Anything that resonates with that, um, even two life paths will resonate with that cooperation. Um, but more strongly, I'm getting to Look into your cooperation with the universe and don't be afraid to understand, like we were talking about how we automatically define things and sometimes do so prematurely in a way that's harmful to us or our relationships with others. Know that you can set your signs and symbols with the universe to mean certain things. Just like anyone who's ever looked at pendulum work or worked with a pendulum, they'll often tell you when you get something like that, you know, set and program the pendulum so you know what is the symbol for yes and what is the symbol for no for that particular piece and for you. You could do the same sort of thing with your own relationship with your spirit guides, which everyone in my experience has, uh, and with the way the universe communicates with you. So for some people, that could be through animal symbolism and certain birds chirping in a certain way to give you a nod for yes or a nod for no. Certain people, it could be the way the heater or the air conditioner switches on at the perfect time to reaffirm something you were already thinking in your mind and heart. It could be seeing those angel numbers or those numerology numbers on the clock or on your phone as an extra symbolism that you're not alone or that something good is coming towards you. Um, learning that there are so many ways that the universe can show up. If you're more adept and want to study a modality, um, runes, which is a Nordic um, tradition, uh, runes are, are very straight lines in the symbols that they have. So people who study runes tend to then see that symbology everywhere and everything in the way a stick is laying or the way a cloud is. And then they understand something that the universe is trying to tell them at that time. But whether you are regimented with a modality or whether it's just random things that come to you, setting the intention to be open to have a discourse and a communication with the universe and know that you are loved by higher power and a part of all things can really help you to 
be more in co-creation, not in control necessarily, but in co-creation with your reality and experience. And if you have a filtering technique, like we're going to talk about Saturday or like we spoke about tonight, that can be something that also helps you to allow all and only uh, lighted and truthful energy through. Wow. This hour flew. I cannot believe no, I can't believe how fast it went. Um, I'm going to give my final word, and then I'm going to give you the final word tonight, Danielle. Um, last Friday on my wrap-up show, um, it was, believe it or not, Serendipity Day. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I had this quote about serendipity, and I think that I'm going to bring it up again. Because um, serendipity is really being open to what's going on all around you. Uh, if you are aware to these serendipitous moments that happen in our lives, you're a lot more aware of it. And the things that Danielle and I have spoken about tonight are these universal lessons that are all part of each and every one of us that are there if we open our hearts, our minds, our souls, uh, and our eyes uh, to what's going on around us at any given moment. Uh, I'm gonna give my final comments, which you've heard me say a million times, but I never get tired of saying it because it's important. While I was away uh, in uh, Provincetown, I got word that uh, my uh, very, one of my very first boyfriends uh, died uh, while I was away. And even though we had remained friends and we had both moved on, it's still uh, Craig Dudley uh, was his name. Some of you may know him. He was a brilliant actor. And Craig Dudley uh, was a man who, in my opinion, defied age uh, because he was a, um, he was a gym buddy, uh, bunny. Um, he was health conscious. Uh, he drank so much uh, carrot juice at one time that his skin turned very orange. Uh, long before, you know, who was turning orange, Craig did the same thing, and for other reasons, and it was very, very funny at the time. Uh, but he lived his life to the absolute fullest until the very end. Speaking of serendipitous moments, his grandfather was one of the founders of Coney Island. Uh, oh. And uh, so, uh, my great grandfather worked at the wax museum at Coney Island. Really? Yeah, wow. he ran the wax museum there. So, two weeks before uh, Craig had passed away, I received an email out of the blue from someone who I, I written a blog about Craig several years ago, and someone had read this blog and wanted to get in touch with him. So, I reached out to Craig. Uh, to say, I hope you're doing well. And someone had, yeah, you know, I forwarded the information onto him, and I didn't hear from him, not knowing that he was so sick at the time. But I say these things because all of these precious moments are just that precious moments. And I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. It's not lip service. It's legit. It's real. Um, go to your Facebook friends list. The third name that pops up, reach out tonight with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know that they've made a difference in your life. And by doing so, you're definitely going to make a difference in their life. And it's better that we do this now instead when it's too late and everybody's uh putting all these postings all over Facebook to say how wonderful this person was. And I go, well, it would have been wonderful to see that two weeks ago when they were around to see it. So that's my wish for everyone tonight. As my dear friend, Sean Moniker says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And you all know the answer. If you're going to be out in a boat, make sure you have a skipper by your side. And if you don't have a skipper by your side, you need one of the best psychics that I know by your side. And that's Danielle. So, Danielle, I'm going to leave the screen. It's yours. And then when you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. And thank, thank you. you. And everyone, tune in on Saturday. It's all yours. Thank you. Well, thank you for that, Richard. And I would echo those sentiments and say, as someone who has worked 
with the dying and obviously works as a spiritual medium as well, please use the opportunities that you have available, whether it's retrograde or not, calling you to do that. You don't have to wait for those time periods to reach out to people or to journal first and then see how and when and why it is appropriate for you to reach out to people and let them know what they mean to you. Um, sometimes, obviously, it could be a time when it may not be best for the other person. So that's something to take into account. But I very rarely hear from spirit on the other side regrets about having contact or having attempted contact with someone. What I mostly hear from spirit on the other side is their sadness for not saying something and wanting to express something from the other side or from clients on this side saying, please tell them this, that I could never find the words for or the courage to say. So if you do have those chances available, please take them when you can. So you don't have to come to someone like me, although I would be very pleased to work with you, but so that you can have the peace of mind and heart of knowing that you said it when you can both be on the same plane of existence to receive it. And so if you can do reach out to those people and if they're on the other side, I would be very pleased to help you with that, but know that you can always do that yourself as well by writing something to them and sending it through a prayer or through the heart and knowing that those connections do last, but it does mean a great deal more when we can say it when we're both on the same side of life. So thank you so much to everyone who's been here tonight. Fabulous interaction. And I love what came through through Richard's wonderful questions. As he said this Saturday, if you would like to join me and get some personalized guidance for you in terms of how you use your energy as an empath or a sensitive or intuitive person, or if you would just like to know how your energy is sitting in your body, go to my website, damseldesigns.com, and on the main page, you can purchase your ticket for Saturday to get yourself an energetic scan. That's a limited group and a limited time event, but you can also always reach me through quantum sessions where we connect with your loved ones and spirit guides and get you answers, or Akashic Records readings or the other types of sessions that I do, and the healings, etc that you'll find on my website. I hope to see you some other time and I hope and, and pray and trust that you will make the most of this energy that's happening right now or whenever you're watching this to enjoy and co-create your most wonderful life. Thank you so much. See you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.